Welcome to City Talks, a monthly podcast looking at the big issues facing UK cities and the latest thinking on urban policy. I'm your host, Andrew Carter, from the Think Tank Centre for Cities. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to this episode of City Minutes. I'm joined by my colleague, Caitlin Rollison, to discuss our latest report, which Caitlin is a co-author of, called Gear Shift, International Lessons for Increase in Public Transport Ridership in UK Cities. Caitlin, let's start with why we've produced this report now. So we've done it now because uh, we talk a lot about public transport um, kind of during COVID and post-COVID, but actually public transport ridership in the UK has been declining for decades. And this is something we should really be really concerned about for a couple of reasons. Firstly, public transport is incredibly important from an economic perspective. From previous Centre of Cities research, we know that poor public transport connectivity is one of the factors contributing to the underperformance of UK cities. This is because of the role it plays in connecting people to employment opportunities and increasing the pool of workers that companies can hire for. Um, And public transport, of course, also connects people to education and training and to services, friends and family. And secondly, public transport is important because it reduces our impact on the environment. The local level private transport from cars and other vehicles emits nitrous oxide and PM, which causes poor air quality. This kills thousands of people in the UK every year. And carbon emissions from transport are also obviously a key contributor to climate change. We need to reduce these if we're to make progress on net zero targets. And finally, ridership is important because good public transport is important for a more equal society. Relying on private transport puts the least well-off at disadvantage. These people are least likely to own a car, have greater difficulty in accessing jobs and education. They're also disproportionately impacted by poor air quality. Brilliant. And there's obviously a question about, in in the public domain, there's been a lot of more recent conversation about the role of buses, particularly because of the the franchising underway in Greater Manchester, which we may well touch on. Okay, brilliant. So let's go to what did we actually do? So how did we frame the the research and then what did we look at? So as I mentioned, talking about ridership in terms of post-COVID and returning to pre-COVID levels isn't actually the most useful framework or ambition for our public transport because ridership in the UK has been in long-term decline and it's far below levels in comparable European cities. So in this report, we actually looked at how to bring ridership in UK cities more in line with their European counterparts. And for cities like Birmingham and Manchester, this would mean doubling the share of people using public transport to get to work. So in the report, we firstly look at how public transport usage, that's share of people using it to get to work, measures up to some European counterparts. And we then look at seven policy areas that, in combination, can help make public transport more competitive against private car travel. And that's both in terms of convenience and financially. So for policies aimed at making it more convenient, we look at four types of measure. There's a densification to help more people live close to public transport, integration of existing networks, improving networks, and giving public transport priority. And for policies aimed at making it more financially competitive against car travel, we look at discounted ticketing fare caps, road pricing, and some car ownership and parking policies. And we do this by highlighting case studies from places around the world, this includes France, Australia, Canada, Japan, and Singapore, that have successfully improved their public transport networks and increased ridership. Um, And then finally, at the end of the report, we use the example of London through Transport for London to show how these policies can be used in combination in the UK context and how 
the UK can be successful at increasing ridership. Excellent. So we create a framework for understanding what drives public ridership. And then secondly, we look for international case studies about where they're using some or all of these sorts of things. So just summarise some of the key findings. Uh, when, When we did that review, when we looked at the case studies, what did we find? So when we compared UK cities with Europe, the headline finding is that our 10 largest cities um, have a lower share of people commuting by public transport than European counterparts. If they were to match these European counterparts, that would mean an additional 963,000 workers traveling by public transport rather than private cars. So this would effectively double the number of workers using public transport. Then moving on to the case studies, Um, There's not going to be enough time to talk through all of them, but I'll just cover a couple of key points. The first thing is that a good outcome of this report is that there is low-hanging fruit when it comes to making ridership gains in UK cities, and this is for two reasons. Firstly, low density of cities in the UK is part of the reason why our public transport is underperforming, but the flip side of this is that densifying and increasing the number of people who live close to public transport makes increasing ridership easier helps make the network more viable, and it helps make other measures, such as the other case studies we've covered, such as fare caps or network improvements, more effective. When we look at the case study of Lille, it shows that these densification policies can have a very real impact on ridership. And secondly, there's a range of policies that effectively kill two birds with one stone by both encouraging public transport use and disincentivizing car use simultaneously. So for example, in the report, we pick up on the t card initiative in Barcelona, In this scheme, residents can get free public transport in exchange for giving up older, more polluting vehicles. Unlike scrappage schemes accompanying the low emission zone in London and Glasgow, this actually encourages long-term modal shift because instead of just upgrading to a less polluting vehicle, people are encouraged to use public transport. Another example of one of these kind of effective simultaneous policies is the workplace parking levy. We look at Sydney, Australia, and we also look at Nottingham, UK in the report. And this policy both disincentivizes commuting by car and raises revenue, which can then be funneled back into funding improvements to public transport. Excellent. So, I mean, the, you know, as you said, as you said right, right at the start of that, ridership in the UK cities is relatively low, mm-hmm. but the, the prize is relatively big. And there are policies out there that are already underway and being delivered in different cities across the globe, which give us confidence that we can apply some, if not all of them, to uh, in the UK as well. So just finish by just talking a little bit about what needs to change. So as well as doing all the analysis, looking at the case studies, we also then set out some recommendations or some ideas about how do we do we move forward on this uh, on this agenda. So just say a little bit about that. Yeah. So the case studies show that a combination of policies, including both carrot and stick policies, is the most effective way to increase ridership. And this is going to look different in different places. But there are a couple of key themes that we put forth as our recommendations that come out of all of the case studies. Firstly, again, to go back to density, uh, increasing the density of UK cities is going to really help us to improve our public transport and increase ridership. This can be done, for example, through local development orders. Um, And it's also an opportunity for the public sector to capitalise on densification investments in public transport, for example, through measures like land value capture or tax increment financing. Uh, Our second main recommendation um, is that many of the case studies have in place a regional level transport authority. And again, when we look at London, the creation of TfL is one of the factors that really helped London to succeed in improving its transport. So where a similar transport body exists, such as in Greater Manchester, they should be given similar powers to TfL. And for major urban areas without a transport authority, the government should fund the creation of such a body. A third recommendation 
uh, focuses on integrating transport helps to take advantage of the existing network. And it's particularly timely recommendation as legislation now allows large cities in England and soon Scotland to franchise the buses. This is one of the key ways that cities can look at integrating services and making sure that people can take advantage of the existing network. Uh, our fourth recommendation is to focus on local revenue raising powers. The very limited options currently available to local authorities in the UK to raise revenue for public transport. Local authorities should be given more of these powers to help them raise revenue, which will fund further improvements. And they also increase the cost of driving, for example, policies like congestion charging, which is going to alter the balance of power between public and private transport. And finally, our final recommendation, and of course, it's a hard one to make, is that transport uh, ridership policies need to overcome difficult politics. We've seen this a lot recently around the yields expansion in London, and it's obviously one thing to have powers to make a change and another thing to use them. But there are examples in the report of where, for example, mayors have brought these in early so that residents have then had time to see the benefits of um, things like the congestion charge. And there's also several recommendations in the report around how to overcome the politics, for example, making improvements to transport before introducing some of the disincentivization policies that are going to help these policies to be accepted. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much. A great summary uh, of lots of detail uh, of uh, that's in the report. You can find the report on our website, centrecities.org, along with all the other recent work that we've been doing on transport, looking at the Glasgow, Glasgow transport system and the role of bus franchising and expanding and improving that, or how public ridership uh, is um, developing in various Welsh cities, and again, what we might do to get more people onto the network. But for now, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of City Talks brought to you by Centre for Cities. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Centre for Cities. Please rate, review and subscribe if you liked what you heard. You can also follow the Centre on Twitter at Centre for Cities or like us on LinkedIn for the latest updates on what the Centre is up to. If you have any comments on the episode or suggestions for topics we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Do tweet us or send an email to info at centreforcities.org. The music was from Palace Fires by Johnny Foreigner, used with permission and all rights are reserved.